As we come to the final session on Second Peter, let's read from Second Peter chapter three, verses fifteen to eighteen. Two Peter three, fifteen. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Well, in the last section, the Apostle Peter addresses scoffers who question the return of the Lord. And he reminds these scoffers that the power of the word of God had never diminished and his promise was completely secure and trustworthy. And God does not count time as we do. And where there is no time, one day or a thousand years mean nothing. In fact, the fact that the Lord delayed in coming was a good thing. Consider what he says in, in verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Notice what Peter says about the Lord's delay in coming back. He calls it the patience of the Lord. The Lord's delay is a reflection of his patience. And, and Peter tells his readers to see this patience as their salvation. If the Lord had come earlier, I would not have been part of that great number of believers who gather around the throne to praise their, their Savior. You and I have loved ones who have not yet come to know the Lord, and as long as the Lord has not yet returned, there is still hope for them as well. You see, there's two things that will end all hope for us. One is our death, and two is the return of the Lord to judge. And there is a day coming when all hope will be lost, and we will stand before our judge to give an account and to hear our sentence being passed. But Peter tells us here to count the patience of the Lord as our salvation. In other words, there's still time for us to be saved as long as the Lord has not returned and as long as we have not come to the end of our life. There is still time for our loved ones to come to know the Lord. The patience of the Lord in waiting until that last sheep enters the fold means that we have hope for those who have not yet come to know him as their Lord and Savior. Now, this matter of God's patience for our salvation was a theme in the writings and ministry of the Apostle Paul as well. And Peter speaks here about how Paul emphasized this point. Notice what he says there in verse 15. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. 
And so Paul also writes about the salvation of God and God waiting and desiring the salvation of his people and the patience of God to wait for his people to come to him. And writing to Timothy, the apostle says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires, says Paul, that all people should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And writing to the Romans, Paul would say in Romans 2 and verse 4, Or do you presume on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So the patience and the kindness of God is intended so that people can come to know him and come to repent before him. Peter shares this same passion as Paul. It's the heart of God that men and women, boys and girls, come to know him. And he waits patiently for all who will come. Some of these individuals resist him right now. Others are just not sure it's the right moment. Still others are distracted by the world. And for others still, it just makes no sense, this whole concept of salvation. But God waits patiently for them. And this immense patience of God opens the door for them still to be saved. But as Paul says, however, do not presume upon this kindness. There is a day coming when there will be no more patience or kindness offered. There's a day of judgment when we will stand before the Lord our God to give an accounting. Notice what Peter has to say about Paul's writing and in, in regards to the salvation and the patience of God. Just as our beloved brother also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Now Peter was aware of the writings of Paul. And it appears here that, that he had read some of these letters and was, was in complete agreement with them. In fact, Peter speaks here about the wisdom Paul had received. Notice that Peter recognizes that Paul demonstrates great wisdom in his writing on the patience and the salvation of God. Beyond this, however, Peter recognizes that this wisdom that was demonstrated in the writings of Paul had been given to Paul. That's to say that the insight he had in this writing on this was a gift from God. Paul is not writing from his own imagination. Behind these words of Paul, the apostle, was the very Spirit of God inspiring and using him to write and to communicate the very wisdom of God. And so we catch a glimpse here of what Peter feels toward Paul and the inspiration in his writing. And he saw the wisdom of God in his writing, and he stands fully behind Paul as a man who was inspired. Inspired by God. Now, Peter continues in verse 16 to speak about Paul and his letters. Now, remember here that Paul did not write books. He, his teaching is reflected in the letters that he wrote and were circulated among the churches. And Peter tells his readers that Paul demonstrates the wisdom of God in all 
his letters. Verse 16, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. According to Peter, when Paul spoke in his letters about the matters of salvation in the Christian life, he spoke with the very wisdom of God. Now, admittedly, Paul and Peter had their differences. There were times when there was a time when Paul had to stand up to Peter and reprimand him publicly. Consider what Paul says about Peter or Cephas when, when he was in Antioch in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. He says this, but when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, Paul did not agree with how Peter had acted towards the Gentiles on that occasion, and he rebuked him to his face. But despite their issues, Peter never lost respect for Paul in his ministry. He recognized him as a man endued with the wisdom of God. He endorses his teaching and saw him as being from God. He stood firmly with Paul in the gospel and recognized him as a brother. Now, how easy it is for us to allow differences between us to stand in the way. The story is told of John Wesley after the death of George Whitfield. And, and of course, these men, John Wesley and George Whitfield, had different theological perspectives, but they maintained, they maintained a, a respect for each other. And this is the, the account of what took place uh, on this particular occasion. One day after Whitfield's decease, John Wesley was timidly approached by one of the godly band of Christian sisters who had been brought under his influence and who loved both Whitfield and himself. Dear Mr. Wesley, may I ask you a question? Yes, of course, madame, by all means. But dear Mr. Wesley, I'm very much afraid what the answer will be. Well, madame... Let me hear your question, and then you will know my reply. At last, after not a little hesitation, the inquirer tremblingly, tremblingly asked, Dear Mr. Wesley, do you expect to see dear Mr. Whitfield in heaven? A lengthy pause followed, after which John Wesley replied with great seriousness, No, madam." His inquirer at once exclaimed, oh, I was afraid you would say so, to which John Wesley added with intense earnestness. Do not misunderstand me, madame. George Whitfield was so bright a star in the firmament of God's glory and will stand so near the throne that one like me, who am less than the least, will never catch a glimpse of him. These two men differed in their understanding of theology, but held deep admiration for each other. Peter has the same understanding of Paul. In Peter's mind, Paul was a man endued with the wisdom of God from on high, and his writings were true and demonstrated that wisdom from God. Now, the question we ask ourselves is this, can we demonstrate this kind of Christian humility and charity? And how often has the kingdom of God been hindered by those who could never forget an offense? How often have we demanded that all Christians just be like me? 
How many times have we turned our backs on a brother or sister because they don't see things the way we do? Peter demonstrates what it means to stand with a brother in Christ, even when they have their differences. Now, not only does Peter declare the truth and wisdom of Paul's teaching here, but he also has something else to say about the depth and insight that Paul had as an apostle. Listen to his words in the last part of verse 16 when he says these, There are some things in them, that is, in the writings in Paul's letters, that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Now, Peter recognizes that Paul did not shy away from difficult teaching and complex doctrinal issues. He saw Paul as educated and and an intelligent man who was willing to address the hard issues. In fact, some of those issues addressed in the letters were, were hard to understand. There are some things he says in them that are hard to understand. Peter does not deny that some of Paul's writings were hard to understand, especially for the young believer. And Peter is telling us here that there were times when he had to really think hard about the truths Paul proclaimed in his letter. Peter was an uneducated fisherman and not a theologian, and Paul challenged his thinking about Christian doctrine. There was a depth to Paul that Peter could not match, and Peter respects the intelligence and and, and sharp mind of Paul, so, so vastly different intellectually. Peter admires Paul and his deep theological reflections. And Peter understood that he was not the only one who had the truth, and, and he was not the only one who had to think hard about the teachings of Paul and the depth of his theological reflections. There were many who had this same problem. But notice what Peter says here in verse 16. The ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. The ignorant and unstable twisted Paul's teaching to their own destruction, Peter says. Notice that according to Peter, it was the ignorant and unstable who twisted Paul's teaching. These individuals were unable to grasp the depth of Paul's teaching, and they interpreted it in ways that it was never intended to be interpreted. And in telling his readers that it was the ignorant and unstable who twisted this teaching, Peter is confirming the truth that Paul proclaimed. So difficult to understand, Paul... uh, declared the truth in his letters, and and he committed the truth of of difficult, he he communicated, rather, the the truth of difficult theological concept, and Paul stretched the minds of his readers and challenged them to go deeper, and even Peter admits that Paul's letters stretched him in his understanding of God and his ways. So what Peter has to say about Paul is important. He recognizes that he was not the only one with the truth. 
Peter recognizes that Paul preached the truth and that he was willing to learn from Paul and what he had to say. The church in Corinth was divided over which leader was better, Apollos or Peter or Paul. Peter didn't see things this way. He was willing to learn from his fellow workers. He read their letters of Paul and was stretched by them, and he likely grew in his relationship with God as a result. And not only was Peter recognizing the fact that Paul preached the truth just as he did, but there's another point that we need to see here. There were times when Peter or Paul reprimanded Peter. And Peter does not close down Paul as a result. Writing here in his letter, he recognized Paul's insight and intellect. He, he has nothing but good to say about a man who challenged and reprimanded him in public. Peter learned from his experience with Paul and, and refused to let this incident of being rebuked by Paul keep him from fellowship. There, there were no hard feelings. He forgave. He addressed any bitterness. And he learned to love Paul despite their past conflicts. Now, we would do well to learn from Peter's attitude toward Paul. There are many things that divide believers in the local church. We, we can compete for attention. We, we can become jealous or, or feel threatened by a, another believer, brother or sister in the church. And these things spill out of our local church into our community, and we can have a self-righteous attitude about ourselves as, as we compare our ways to those of our other Christian denominations in our, in our region. It's true that not all churches preach the gospel, but I will not boast in my denomination. All my boasts must be in Jesus Christ, who alone can save. My spiritual gifts do not make me a better person. My theology doesn't necessarily make me closer to God. All that's going to matter in the final analysis is the person of Jesus Christ and his work in me. And that places me at the exact same level as every other believer. I am a sinner who has been saved by grace. And whether I have done great things for Christ or only small things will not change the fact that like every other sinner, I need a savior. Now, I might believe certain things or serve in a certain way, but in the end, I will serve, I will join hands in the kingdom of God with individuals like the thief on the cross, who was brought into the kingdom without ever serving the Lord, who didn't belong to any church or have any denominational affiliation, who had never grasped the concepts of sanctification and justification or any other theological issue who never even had a theological opinion. But I will share eternity with that thief, because despite his lack, he is my brother in Christ.